0: This is the Another Way to See It podcast, a show about perspective.
1: I'm Randy, an old soul with a beginner's mindset, curiously navigating this journey we call life. I bring my life experiences and authentic curiosity to meet people where they are, challenging them to break the old blueprints and patterns that are no longer in alignment, cleaning up our messes to learn and evolve.
0: I'm Kim. As a coach, I take a hawk-like perspective. I use keen, big picture seeing, deep embodied listening, and the courage to ask hard questions to contextualize experiences and connect dots. In this way, I help guide my clients to places that are well-examined, expansive, and full of
1: possibility. Each week, we dive deep into topics that most of us navigate in our everyday life. We're glad you're on this journey with us.
2: Hi, I'm Tracy Holmeyer, somatic practitioner, deeply rooted in the earth while simultaneously stretching towards the heavens, attempting to become a better ancestor each day by committing to well-being. I am a steward of healing and stay inspired by the capacity for resiliency and expansion in this human form, including soul and spirit. I love helping others along the path, honoring each moment, movement, and breath we are granted.
0: Welcome to another way to see it podcast. I'm Kim Moran joined by
1: Randy Ponexter
0: and special guest co-host Tracy
2: Holmeyer. Yay!
0: <laughs> it's great to have Tracy. She's been on our show as a guest, and she's a good friend of ours. And so we're really thrilled to have her here representing her point of view. And coming to this, uh, this place today, I had been listening to the audio version of David White's book, Consolations the solace, nourishment, and underlying meaning of everyday words. So one day as I'm making supper, I'm listening, and one of his essays really touched me. The essay is entitled On Pain. And when I was feeling the things that the essay triggered in me, I one of the things I thought was, I wonder what Randy would think about this. And the other thing I thought was, I'd really like to talk about this with my friend Tracy. So here we are in this place where we can reflect on, on this piece of work. And I think as we are all healers in our own capacity, I think it's kind of important to, to just
1: dive in. What do you think? You know, I love a good, good depth conversation. And here I am with two of my favorite, let's just call it soul sisters. I mean, with, with how amazing y'all are and, and how much, you all bring forth to, to not only better yourselves and everyone around you, I just think it's a beautiful space that we have here and uh, I'm excited. So
2: I love that. Yeah. The um, same, same, same. And, and, you know, the invitation to there's, there's this piece around um, being invited to something. And then there's also the way that we are received. And so, to be received in this space with both of you, um, and to share this time and space feels really, really good to dive into something that um so much of our culture and so much of our lives um conditions us to push this particular topic down and away from from our consciousness. Um, and so it's a really, really beautiful invitation. And I hope, that it lands with individuals and that their pain is re- received here with us too.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to just say this. A lot of David White's work is available to listen to um, for free on YouTube. I believe this essay is, there is a recording of this essay on YouTube. I would encourage people to get this book and because he has such a beautiful voice and because he's very specific about rereading certain lines and really highlighting those. I do like the audio version of this book. Um, I think it touches you in a different way than just reading the words, but in any event, I will put links to this particular essay in the show notes. I mean, I must've listened 25 times to this piece of work. And I remember when Tracy and I did an episode on, a, on another podcast about gun violence. And I remember saying, yeah, it's not my thing, but I remember saying pain can be a portal. Pain can be a portal. And I think that David White's first line in this poem is pain is the doorway to the here and now. And I thought that was so powerful. Of course it resonated with me. I believe it. I'd said it a couple months ago. And, and so it begins my love affair with this work. What do you guys think? Tracy?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I, (laughs) I feel like that it really is. and, And something that, um, a step a requirement really in in healing in our well-being is presence it is a foundational piece to be in the here and now with each thing because as experiences happen they are going to in life we don't have control over those uh and our our nervous system regulation requires us to be present with what we are experiencing Or it acts on our behalf to store those things down and away for a better time when we can. However, most of us, the better time never comes because we'd rather not feel it at all. Let's be honest, right? But that pure presence and what I have found with emotional processing, nervous system regulation, is that that presence is the requirement in order to move through. Another requirement would be the container in which we do it in, you know, our pure presence and then a safe container that can hold um, our experience. But but speaking to presence, right? Pain is the invitation to the here and now, there's is, there's is very few things that that ring the presence bell louder than pain and maybe love. You know. And so with those two experiences, Um, and what I believe are experiences of duality, where do we find the tension between the two in ourselves? Because we are non-dual by nature. So I contain multitudes. I can experience light and dark, good and bad. I am masculine and feminine. I am non-dual. But there is a duality to the experience of pain and the duality to the experience of of love. So, so what those, both of those ask of us is that presence. What do we feel in the body, in the moment, in this space and time? What is it asking of, of us, right? What are we, what are we being requested to steward? Well, pain is an offering to come into right relationship with life. And we have the opportunity to steward our pain and other's how will we walk with it? It's inevitable. How will we walk with it? Let's just start my jumping off path. I'll just kind of start there and see where we go. Right? <laughs> uh,
1: I'm already trying to tie on to a tree. So when we take off, someone's <laughs> going to be somewhat grounded here. Uh, but I love the, almost the two extremes of pain and love. I mean, I, I do feel like that brings us to the presence with a force. And I love how it goes on to say that physical or emotional is the ultimate form of ground. There goes on to say there is no other place than this place, no other body than this body, but this searing presence. Mm -hmm. Whatever drops us into that presence, I feel that's what is then needed. The presence to feel pain, the presence to, to be in love, to feel love, to accept it. I really think that this poem, this essay was meant to actually bring on presence, but in the form of pain.
2: Yeah, I love that the last sentence of the first paragraph pain asks us to heal by focusing on the very center of the actual torment and the very way the pain is felt. And what that offers, right, is if we are present with the torment if we are in full presence with the experience in our body we process through that and then we are not carrying it with us into every other experience of torment or pain in the future that we alleviate the the compound effect with our pure presence by by being in it, feeling it, allowing it, and fully releasing it each time. So we don't have this backlog of healing to do when we round the corner of, I don't know, most people are like in their 20s, 30s. I was definitely in my 30s and now into my 40s going, well, I think we've made a good dent in it, friends, but we still have a long ways to go, right?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I like that you brought that up. I had that line underlined as well, followed by the word presence, and um, I think that there is no way but through in these situations. And one of the things that that the first paragraph and then going into the second really brings up is the ways in which we are—I I don't know the right word to choose here—but separated from our experience of pain. And I can really only speak for myself in certain places. And and, and I'll start here in the labor and delivery ward. When I was told and I heard other women being told not to make loud noises because it would scare other women. And that is the most asinine Demoralizing, disempowering, and on and on and on. But it is just an illustration of one of the ways that our pain is not safe in in this society. And so, when you speak of container, Tracy, I love that because it is absolutely necessary and also something that I find lacking, sad, sadly lacking.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I'll credit uh, one of my my greatest, most favorite teachers with my understanding on um, container and or the vessel. Sometimes we could call it the vessel. Um, Francis Weller speaks to our uh, the initiatory processes that are missed, particularly in our culture, and and as children. Very, very young age, we have the same sense that adults do without the understanding of what it means. Take, for example, a hunger pain, right? Now we're like, oh, gosh, I'm kind of hungry. But to a child, right, that's an extreme assault on their body from the inside out just because they feel hurt. So when we have the baby cries because of hunger, pain in the belly, and caretaker, mother, father, whoever, brings in nourishment. They bring in regulation. They bring in a, um, a container for that baby to feel what they are feeling and then um, soothe, right? And while uh, the container first belongs to caregiver, caregiver is teaching baby how to build their own container, when that is a miss and we do not have a container for our processing and self-soothing, uh, everything goes awry. We don't know how to process. We don't know how to be with. And so therefore we don't. And it becomes like, there's this like little gatekeeper and there's this, I don't know, crypt or something where all the hard things go. And then every experience we have brings that, um, back to life. And, 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 So when we look at initiatory processes, those are uh, transformational moments in our life. Transformation asks of us to contain our experience so that it isn't shoved down or away, so that it isn't blown through other bodies, as Resma Menekum would say, and that we, we learn how to contain it, keep it fresh, keep it right. It keeps our interests that we care and that it matters to us. Uh, and in this container, right, that it is solid enough to hold whatever it is that needs processing. I would bet 85 to 90% of individuals don't have that. Mm-hmm. Don't.
1: Question, 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 question. For the the people that are following along but but are not following along at the same time. How do you build a container if it wasn't taught to you?
2: Mm-hmm. I love that question. And we're doing it all the time. We are constantly checking our surroundings for safety for what feels um, regulated. And most of the time, often we start to chase what feels good rather than what feels regulated. And that is like a feel good becomes like a mood and it's something that we chase. So, so building our container, if we don't have it modeled for us, the only way to do that is find opportunities for it to be modeled for us. We are, we are not islands. We are not supposed to do it alone. And the pressure to build your container, if it wasn't modeled for you, should not be put on the person who didn't get what they needed. <laughs> We're supposed to do this in community. We are supposed to seek out support and let that support come in, be received by support and say, there's nothing wrong with you. There is an unskilled part of you that didn't get needs met. And then starting to work in that place of what are your needs. And Francis Weller speaks to like the conditions of the container require it to be able to uh, maintain heat, right? Meaning maintain interest that we keep it simmering. On the back burner of the stove we don't have to be in the container 24 7 our job is not to heal 24 7 but that it is constantly attended to that the ingredients that are put in there are are pure that those who help us support it have uh clear intentions that the container itself is sealable Right? that that it can withhold the the transformation of of alchemy um and and so on right what is is your container leaky is your container cloudy is your container imagine if you were harvesting the most precious thing you've ever held what kind of container would it need and then finding support for that
0: i like that and i and i I think that you touched on something that, um, that David White talks about, which is pain being the first proper step to real compassion. In order to have a container, you have to have other people that have sat with their pain to be able to understand and recognize it and hold it for and with with, I would say, other people that that pain is a sort of a leveling of playing fields because it's something that all of us experience. And it really is something that we can, I don't want to say rally round, but it, it is in that understanding of our universal suffering and experience of pain that we can come together. But we can also, it's a place that we understand that we are kind of all one in a mm-hmm. weird way. It's it's like from the bottom up, instead of from the top down, this is the place that we can begin to experience oneness or unity. Does yeah. that make any sense?
2: I love that. And and it, it uh, brought up in me my experience of, of domestic violence and the pain that I experienced from that. And uh, how um, we start to measure, right? as, as a um, experiencer, victim, survivor of domestic violence, choose your word, where you are on your journey, right? Um, we are constantly questioned in one of two ways. Was it real? and why'd you stay? Right? And so there becomes this comparison. Was my pain bad enough to call it? domestic violence? Was I harmed in the right ways that society deems would be painful enough to say you were abused and that kind of a thing. And I had given a talk um, on to an organization that was um, uh, raising money for domestic violence awareness and housing and um, immediate care and intervention. And the following year I went as a guest and the woman that got up had very visible scars. And for those listening, you can't see me right now that I don't have any physical outward scars from my experience. And so immediately my brain went into, am I believable? Is my pain real enough to match what people can see in hers? Is my pain real? And so I brought that forward because I'm just the type of person to say what's what's on my heart and on on my soul and i said you know it it brings this up in me like is is my pain qualified to receive support or encouragement or um you know space holding etc and and she said to me that our pain isn't measurable in comparison to one another it is experiential, and I've learned that it's also very subjective. I think uh, gabriel Mate says that, that pain is subjective based on your experience. And there's no way to know that the emotional scars I carry could in any way compare to the physical scars she carries. Or that the emotional scars she carries match mine. There's no way to do that. And so what is it? I think it's roomy. I'm doing a lot of quoting here, but it's, you know, um, beyond right and wrong, there's a field and I'll meet you there and I can meet others in their pain without needing to compare mine to it. Just for the simple fact that I've presenced myself with my pain and what that asks of us is presence within others, not the scrutiny, not the judgment, not the criticism, right, wrong, whatever, right? That again, dualistic thinking that we are non-dual and you experience pain and I experience pain and we can meet there.
1: I remember a big shift I had in my journey of of self-discovery and really like sitting with myself. And when I had that shift that we are all equals and all the playing field, it shifted my mindset around so much because I remember like I'd tell stories after hearing someone else's story to try to one-up them. And it was like, it instantly happened to where I'd be middle of the story. And I'm like, why is this, this isn't even relevant, but we're programmed. We're taught to compare, you know? And
2: and I'd add even hardwired for comparison. Mm -hmm. They've done studies on the human condition and our brain and our neurology and all of those other things. And we are conditioned Yes, but we're hardwired for it too. So the conditioning only amplifies that it is innate in us to be in comparison.
1: So how do we break and work through and navigate the hardwiring, the old patterns, the old blueprints? Like how do do we move forward to become a better version of ourselves through pain?
2: Mm I love that that's actually like two, a two-part question because the first part, how do we break through? How do we, you know, move past those? We don't. We cannot, under any circumstances, change our hardwiring as this human. What is innate in us is innate in us, like blue eyes or brown hair, or the fact that I'm five, seven. Right. Without augmentation, obviously, but just just by being. I can't will myself to have green eyes instead. I can't will myself to be taller or shorter. Um, so the first part of that is we can't. And two, how do we move forward? Is by one, accepting that, that we cannot change the hard wiring. And we have a better, a better chance at what we do with the comparison. And letting it be fuel, letting it be drive, letting it be um, evidence of our individuality and our sovereignty, we have a better chance of using that energy that we would use in the comparison to beat us down, or uh, you know, make us not as good, or the worthiness story, or the belonging story, and all of those other things. It is more useful for our time to accept the comparison and that that is going to be there. And then with the information of comparison, hmm, is this a comparison that is going to fuel me or drive me or help me be more creative or or spark uh, imagination or inspiration? Or is it the kind that doesn't belong to me and I need to release that and move on to the next thing? And and then being non-negotiable with that. That's a harder part. That's a harder part for sure. Yeah. But I, but I love this in that that part of, of David White's poem, right? Strangely, the narrow focus that is the central and most difficult aspect of the bodily pain calls for the greater perspective for a bigger, more generous sense of humor, right? How can we take this and pull in all, like all of, oh my gosh, there I did. Oh, that's cute. Uh, look at me. I just really was in that comparison loop right there. Having humor with it, opening our perspective, widening that aperture to allow for greater understanding of ourselves, others, what's ours, what's not ours, what we need to leave and what what can help us grow. Let's grow.
1: I, I love <clears throat> all the aspects that pain is bringing up in, in this essay. Not only is it, an invitation for growth not only does it teach us compassion but it also allows us and you just touched on it for humor and laughter and going through those you know growing pains if we want to call it of of navigating the old versions the old patterns once you can start To have laughter from the pain, that is the sign and the shift of growth. And experience it firsthand. It's easy for me to be in the vehicle and road rage wants to flare up or I get lost and I go down the frustration. And I give the acknowledgement to the frustration and not allow it to control my actions, but to acknowledge the feeling that in this instance, the next day I was driving in the same area and laughed at, oh, this is where I got turned around. You know, instead of holding on into like, God, I can't believe I was so stupid that I missed this turn or blah, 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 the old stories. And and that's even a sign of pain, of, of the pain we put ourselves through when it's not even needed in some sense, but it also allows the lesson to be seen.
2: I love that. And I would add, There comes a point when it is not one or the other, but how we can hold both simultaneously rather than the laughter coming after the pain. But what can we laugh about while we're in pain, too? What can we be joyful about, too? Not to bypass right? That's a slippery slope that a lot of people go down toxic positivity. Oh, I'm just going to look at the bright side. No, 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 no. Don't do that. I'm here for the dark. I'm here for a lot of the dark, (laughs) right? But, but where can I find and hold? I am in deep grief and I love, I am in deep frustration and I don't know, my right arm feels really eased right now, you know, whatever it is, finding that, that, uh, that space simultaneously, because it's, it's so important to be able to look back, reflect on, um, as you, as you beautifully stated there and have a different response to what ailed us before, right? What was the cause of, of frustration or, or anger or sadness or despair or grief, and then look back and reflect from a different lens of love or joy or happiness or, or anything like that. But can we work it in our systems, clear our systems enough by being present with pain to hold both in moments that we can experience? For example, like uh, Brene Brown talks about uh, bittersweet in her book, right? And there's a quote by an author in there. It talks about like the bittersweet side of life's most amazing moments is the fact that they're all passing That both of those are existing simultaneously. And we kind of can toggle between the two. Can we hold both at the same time? But it's, it's similar, you know, with grief. I personally believe that grief is death asking us to be intimate with her. And why would death want to be intimate with us? To ease the grief that we experience at her arrival, which is love. That is loving.
0: I think it's beautiful. I personally um, have a very long relationship with pain, emotional and physical, and it's come to be one of my greatest teachers. And so when I am in the classroom of pain, it's always a little bit exciting for me because it is reflective of something that I've been unaware of somewhere in my life. I mean, it really almost always points to something which has become, which just becomes so obvious to me, depending on where it is in my body. And dependent upon whether it has a physical cause, right? An injury that has come from outside, or if it has an emotional energetic cause, it's still in my body. It has a life and a space in my body. And it is such a quick exacting, I would say, teacher for me that's how I've come to kind of live with pain. Like, Oh, I wasn't paying attention. Here you are again. What's, what's up.
2: I, I love that. And wholeheartedly believe that life is not ever testing us as people are like life is testing me or the universe is testing me. And I'm like, actually it's opportunities to be taught. Life is teaching us. However, I reserve wholeheartedly the right for the individual to choose when they're being taught a lesson, because pain can also be injury, right? It can be deep suffering. And for someone else to dictate, right? For those that I lovingly, am going to call forward here. I almost said out, but calling forward, we don't get to decide what another person's soul's contract must be. We don't get to choose when people should learn lessons or not. It is not up to us. That's where free will comes in because you will learn from everything you go through. You can learn from everything you go through. You still have a choice in it. And I personally do not believe you have to suffer to learn. So I want to make sure I have that really clear that no one else gets to decide whether it was a lesson for you, except for you. If you are in a place where that injury, that trauma, that experience was wounding, and I don't see a lesson in this, that's where you get to be. And then there is no lesson for that, All right? I, I lost my best friend last year, almost a year ago. And there will never be a day that I can say, oh, that was a great lesson I learned there. I'm certain of that. Did I learn still? Yes. But it is I do I cannot get behind the, the added injury to the insult of experiencing that for somebody else telling me, oh well, maybe it was part of his soul's contract that he needed to, to go or that you needed to experience losing him. It's an unfairness and it's an unkindness, but it is life is available to teach us lessons and we get to choose what is a lesson and what just sucks sometimes
0: yeah i hope you weren't feeling like i was saying that to you i was really no, saying that no, it's, not at it's all. like this, this is the way that i have come to be in relationship with pain and suffering for me mm-hmm. absolutely totally for me
2: like I'm i didn't it, it was more <laughs> it's more for those people who are because you're speaking to your experience but for those people that often are like, well, maybe it was just, a, you know, let's look at the bright side. Maybe it, it, it could have been worse. You know, like those types of things, are they're not, that's not helpful. It's not useful. Yeah.
1: But what if we were taught, what if we were taught that? Like, I remember growing up and like, okay, take my parents' divorce. Like, their answer was, well, now you get two birthdays and two Christmases. Like that doesn't take away the pain that even at a young age, I didn't know how to experience and process and I couldn't feel all the feels because my teachers, my parents didn't know either. And so all these years has just been compiled pain and it wasn't till. A year ago, I'd say I'd start, I started the inner, inner child work and that really opened everything up, but like the pain's still there. So the comments of it could have been worse or at least look on the bright side. Yes, but that's, that's, that's the easy way. That's the cop out that doesn't allow you to process, acknowledge and work through those moments. And so like what you said earlier in the beginning is then you just tack them on and then what started out as a little fanny pack is now you know two sleds full of weight that you have to navigate the last 30 years of your life and like it doesn't get easier just because you were told hey don't don't brush it off it'll be okay so it's just it's it's so much work that you have to do but it's once again making that choice and there are people close people to me family of mine that make that decision every day and i have i have to respect it and also support it within what's in alignment with myself
2: i love that visual i was thinking like one of those bellhops full of like all the luggages you know but we, like sled yeah that tracks too for sure the the weight of like a big santa sled full of our pain and trauma just following us wherever we go um uh, but that that speaks to what that <clears throat> brings up in me It speaks to our responsibility as individuals to separate our discomfort from someone's pain from their actual pain. We have to become better stewards of pain and separate out, oh, I just, I want you to, oh, two Christmases, two birthdays. That's great because I can't bear the pain that I feel by witnessing my child's pain not saying that was their experience that could have been something else or bypassing or whatever but but to to move past our their pain for our own comfort is such a disservice and we see it all the time speaking to kim's point in the hospital your pain might make someone else uncomfortable especially probably the staff you know, this is what they were more worried about. I don't want to hear you. And then take radical responsibility. Oof, your pain is killing me right now. I need to go resource myself so that I don't deny you of your experience.
1: Yeah. It it it's heavy. Like I've never I've never heard that, Kim. Like I've I mean, obviously how they deliver now. I've never had a baby. So I'm sure hopefully times have changed and that's not a thing, but like that hit me so hard to know that in that moment of one of the most painful experiences of a woman's life to tell you to to not feel and to express and all that it's just that just sums up the society that we're in and that that has been programmed and trained in us for hundreds of years
2: and and just to add a little bit to that, I was reading a study not too long ago and I don't remember the exact time frame, but it was like the, I dare I say the late 1900s, um, but <laughs> up until like the, the, the 1990s, I want to say it was my, maybe the late, late eighties, early nineties, something along those lines. They were not anesthetizing babies under surgery because they didn't believe babies felt pain. Like let that sink in full grown people being asked to minimize their experience for somebody else's comfort. And then not even knowing that infants feel pain when in actuality, they're not desensitized to their experience of pain. Their, their sensation of pain is even more heightened than ours. Cause we've been conditioned to pain over time and they weren't even anesthetizing babies
0: mm-hmm.
2: because they did. That is how how far we still have to go we've come a long way right to your to your hopefulness randy and there's still so far to come because that was just 30 years ago
1: we should we yeah. should
2: demonstrate for the audience randy just did the the top of your head explosion exploding emoji you know yeah.
1: yeah i mean like obviously these conversations don't come up in the day-to-day normal unless if you're looking for it or asking about it and, and i think that's One thing that I love is that I get to now experience these conversations because I lead with, with curiosity. I lead with an openness to want to learn and understand things that I couldn't even, let's just say comprehend in the past, nor did I want to. And so like, it's, it's very like, just the word is heavy to hear now both of those stories to be told and and it i can't fathom why it, it it's still a thing if there's conversations around it
0: so i i want to just jump in here and say that this is prevailing in so many ways and i would also like to say that i see it In the personal development, spiritual growth space as well. We don't want to hear about the suffering of other people, right? We watch news and that's suffering, but like, if we really want to hear about someone's experience to understand what they're going through, that is a whole different thing. We don't really want to get too deep into it. We don't want to get too heavy into it. You hear in the personal development space, like, where your attention goes, the energy flows, don't, you know, talk about um, negative things. This is all adding to the fact that it's, it's perpetuating our suffering because we have no space to put it. We have to talk about it. We have to get dirty. We have to get messy. We have to get fucking real in order to get through it. And there is this, I have these visions, and I had this vision one day that all of my friends, my female friends, were like warrior goddess women. They had scars. They were bleeding. And I was thinking to myself, I don't know that I can start a new friendship with someone who who doesn't have a visible wound. Like, I just don't know that that's someone that I can... And that is not to say that they don't have something inward, but there is this idea about we work through our pain and we come to healing, but it doesn't mean it's erased. And it also, for me, it's like, can you talk about your experiences and show me your pain? Even though it might not be a physical, real physical wound, can you show me your strength through showing me the pain that you've gone through? That's who I want to be my friend long way of saying that. Um, yeah, we can grow, we can become stronger. we can come into greater understanding of ourselves and thereby become someone who is strong for someone else in that time. I'm gonna be quiet now. And listen to whatever, whatever.
2: No, I love that so much. And it really does tie it like the end of the poem is that it it all ties back into like pain lets us know ourselves well. And if we are all one, me and my little honeycomb in amidst billions of honeycombs, understanding my pain helps me be supportive of others, understanding myself, knowing myself well, holding my energy, my emotion, my processing, being so with it, knowing when I need support with it, when it's, when support is a distraction from my, from the work I need to really be with it and wrestle with it alone. And and coming to know ourselves so well um, includes compassion of the self, greater perspective and awareness. Knowing myself allows me to to know others deeper and better. And to your point, uh, I don't know if you, either of you have seen it. Highly recommend um, the movie uh, "The Woman King" with Viola Davis that's out now. And what was so powerful? Well, the whole movie. There's so many powerful things, but these these Goddess warriors, as you're describing, are scarred and and have all of these wounds, and have this threshold for pain that, like, they take out their their male counterpart in the ring over and over and over and over again, and no one asks them how they are, no one asks them what they dream of, what they desire to see in the future, you know, and, and that our, like wearing our pain being truthful, right? Like, yes, there's such, you have to have discernment. I'm not trying to re-experience every day. Right. That is not the goal. That is not the point in the work that I do. We are not re-experiencing. We are witnessing. We are bearing sacred witness to the mist, to the pain, to the trauma, to the neglect, to the stress, to the overwhelm, so that it can be released from our body, so that we can be so with ourselves and not fear the pain, not have shadow, like, oh, I don't want that to be true about myself. For me, right, I know that there are parts of myself that uh, aren't maybe socially acceptable, And those are often the ones I lead with now where I'm like, "Mm, I'm your shot of whiskey, not your tea. Right. And because I lead in that way, the wellspring of compassion, of love, of fully accepting myself and being transparent, right. That, and it is a full-time job. I'm not saying it's just easy now. It is a commitment. It is getting up and going, I am going to face the arsenal today by being myself and doing it anyways but I can do it today because I've worked on doing it for years. Practice me be with being with your practice, being received with your pain, practice, letting your pain be held with you. That's how we come to know ourselves and, and the totality of us, including our pain. Well, in my opinion,
1: hearing both of y'all just, just, float away and and those those words uh just brings up depth for me like there's so much depth of work that has been done internally there's depth to the curiosity the questions i mean he even talks about it in the essay of of what what we choose to do what we ask ourselves and even eventually what we ask of others but that all starts within and like Kim, when you were talking about like you need to see those battle scars, for me, I was like, well, what if they are internal, right? Like, and you even touched on it, but then you you were like, tell me about them. And that's where people don't want to go. People don't want to go to that depth to show what they went through to be where they are. And it's not a good or a bad. It's just once again up to that person to make the decision am i am i am i comfortable with the pain am i comfortable with myself do i love myself do i understand myself and then i show up right but th- uh, there's just not a lot of depth and and that's what i'm even learning in this conversation you know i had no clue about some things now and it's like i want to know more i don't understand this like feed me more information because I want the depth, I want to see the battle scars. I want to see you. and I want to see Tracy and I want to see everybody else for who they are, but there's so much armor on covering up the scars, the pain that there's just a, such a front that you don't even know who you're getting. So I can completely relate to what you're saying, Kim, is like I want to see I want to see what you went through so so I can understand you. But once again, on my end, it, it's the depth of curiosity that's driven within me to to, to A, to even hold that space, right? Like that's something that I've learned is I've gotten to know and really learn about more people, the more open I am with myself. And that's the energy I'm putting out. That's my light that I'm shining. Is like I'm finally okay with myself. And they can people can feel that, and then next thing you know, you hear someone's whole story after meeting them twenty minutes ago. Like I love those conversations, and it it, it all derives from a place that that I strive for depth.
2: I think uh, one thing that I I felt come up for me, and that is rem- remembering to stay curious about the front too that our curiosity is about the depth, but the front or the the lack of real is a learned behavior or mechanism too. Can we stay curious about what would cause a person to not feel safe being deep, being exposed, the, the, uh, the, uh, dreaded word for most people vulnerable i personally believe that my strength and vulnerability source from the same place within me but it took miles of protectors out in front of me to learn that (laughs) so can we stay curious with what feels like a block to depth too Mm -hmm. it's um
0: It's an interesting process because we are all constantly doing this work because new griefs, new injuries, and I don't mean physical injuries necessarily, but we are constant being alive requires us to become injured, you know, throughout our life. I mean, that's the way it is. So there is no one who can say to us, this is what it looks like when you get to the other side of this, because it's always going to be happening. So we are just kind of walking along going like, I'm here. I've been through that. I can be with you in this moment or walk with you or kind of, you know, offer a supporting arm or what have you. But I think that's what's required now, you know, for us to be courageous. And open about being those places if we're interested at all in creating a world that's moving towards healing on any level, right? Is to be brave and take brave steps and be open about our, our process. And that's what I love about this poem. It just so articulates. I mean, I could feel it in my body when I heard him speaking about it. And I'm just delighted to have the two of you to talk talk with about it
2: yeah and that there's two sides to the coin right that we can be the arm and then also knowing that there will be an arm for us to that reciprocal understanding of pain because it does continue to come we get to choose if we suffer or not but the pain will continue organizing ourselves around pain as a reality we will continue to endure while we're here and the reciprocation of coming into being seen like they've done so many studies on this where people absolutely favorite thing in the world they're more trustworthy they're more open they're more compassionate they're more understanding all of those other things when someone shows them who they really are the last thing we are willing to do and reciprocation of that, you know, it's like the hardest thing. So breaking that cycle of uh like, I, I loved your verbiage earlier, instead of being for being with, because the being with allows us to receive as well. And I, I, um, I've been drilling this in recently that what is we are meant to do in this world is meant for us to first, even the goodness, the, arm, the hand extended, the supportive container, the modeling, all of that is meant for us too.
0: I like that you said that because as you came back to that, I kind of glossed over it, but it is true that once we sitting with ourselves and doing this, sitting with our pain, allowing our pain is an arm. And I'm not sure how we learn to take it from the outside, but eventually we come to trust that it is available for us. I think
2: it's the stabilizing of our own arm lets us see that those qualities in another and then by way, we can learn to trust it from other as well.
1: Mm, Makes sense. I do remember this uh, breathwork session that I got to experience with you, Tracy, uh, being the mentor and all, but uh, it was... It was like a time travel experience and knowing the, what I needed as, as a child, a younger version of myself, uh, I did not get, but then to hold that space for the younger version really broke me down and opened me up. And in that moment, I then felt a hand on my shoulder and it was my future self. And it was it was such an amazing experience because it gave me the feeling that I'm not alone, but in an internal way. Internally growing up, I always felt I'm not understood. I, it doesn't make sense. I'm alone. And I could have been with my family, I could be with friends at a party. I still felt the that aloneness, quotation marks, of of not understanding. And to know that I wasn't alone with what I've been through and what I'm gonna go through, really gives you a good uh, grounding, if you want to call it, exercise. To know that that you aren't alone, and also once you work through that, that then you can find a community that people have similarities with the pain, whether it's through childbirth, uh, domestic violence, you know divorces so i mean it's just the communities are out there but there's also a community within of all all the different selves and Mm -hmm. past and present and future and you know the protector the the builder the perfectionist so it's just these things are are provided to us if we look for them
2: Mm -hmm. i love that i have this belief that when i have a memory it is a time portal to go back and be for that part of me, what I needed, right? So this few, this version of me is constantly going back in time. And then there are moments where I know for sure that there is some a version of me in the future, right? Time collapses. So we, it's an invention that we've created that there is a future me also whispering back in time to me. I feel like Memories allow us to be what we needed at that moment and didn't get. And the memory itself is such an act of courage for that that part of us that experienced that, to have the courage to say, remember me, come back for me, be what I needed because I'm not getting it now. So sometimes memories can be painful, but they bring us to our wholeness too.
1: I love that.
0: I want to spend the last few minutes touching base with Tracy and asking you to put forth what you're doing in the world in case anybody wants to, to reach out and work with you in some capacity.
2: Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, if you are, uh, you know, feeling, uh, some resonance with, with anything I've shared, um, my website is uncontrollablyme.com. My Instagram is at uncontrollably underscore me. I offer one-on-one sessions. I do group sessions. I have hosted um, four retreats. Uh, Actually, no, this is the fourth one uh, next week. And um, working on launching a new program uh, starting next year uh, around deep somatic experience and and healing in the body that, um, that is required for, for deep healing. So, um, yeah, all of my info is, is on the website, reach out. If you feel, uh, called tag me, if you share this episode, I love to be tagged and reshare and, and all of those other things. Um, you know, or, or if, you know, you just want to want to jam on something. I, um, I feel grateful to be in a position to, to offer my gifts to the world in the way of healing and what that asks. So, um, yeah, retreats and, uh, breath work and meditation and energetics, uh, all my jam, all my jam, get in the body, be embodied, you know, somatic expression and release. I don't know y'all, y'all, you know, I feel like somebody else could describe me way better than, than I do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, but definitely uh, check out any of, of the offerings. And um, I do, I'm uh, doing um, group sessions. I offer the first free, if anybody is new to breathwork and wants to try that out, they can, they can use that as well.
0: Awesome. I like to leave everybody with a journal prompt.
2: I think one that kind of comes to mind um, as I flipped through uh, this journal is what are your deepest fears around healing and change? Could you read it one more time? What are your deepest fears around healing and change?
0: I love that. Randy likes it too. Thank you so much to our guest co-host. I hope you'll be with us for some more episodes this season. It's been great having you here. Your insight is fantastic. And one thing that I really appreciate about you, Tracy, is that I tend to skip over steps. And you really do a great job of naming all the steps. And that, for me, feels really uh, beneficial.
2: Thanks for that. Yeah, it's it's a common thing in in the work that I do um, to for. I feel that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But how? Right. The how. And so while it is individual in process, I am. I have become a very good catcher at the space that gets jumped, and I'm like, well, hold on, go back. We missed something there, right? And then being able to dial that in. So I appreciate that reflection for sure.
0: Yeah. Final thoughts Randy?
1: Uh my cup is full. I mean this is <clears throat> this is what I expected it would be and the energy has been great and of course Kim it's always amazing to have you as uh my co-host and then to bring on Tracy I mean I just feels good and it feels right and the space that that both of y'all hold and create is is what is needed and and we're examples of it. So thank you to both of y'all.
2: I, I just appreciate so much spaces, containers as these, right? Like that that this podcast gets to be a vessel for people to be carried in and through to hear, to learn, to experience, to be welcomed in and received for exactly where they are. So to be a part of it, I feel very uh, fortunate and, um, and humbled and inspired. So thank you both for what you do too.
1: Can we whoop whoop now? All
0: right. Thanks for tuning in to to another way to see it. We'll be with you next week.
1: Till next time.
0: If you enjoyed this episode of another way to see it, please be sure to subscribe, share the episode and leave us a rating or a review also don't forget to check out our instagram page another way to see it podcast all one word we'd love to hear from you so reach out